Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for Calvary Chapel Distinctives with Pastor John Barrera. Good morning, good morning. Talk amongst yourselves as I get situated. You know, I used to, I used to, remember, I used to walk around, you know, and used to wear the barges mic, but there's either something wrong with my head, it might be funny to shoot. But I can never keep that, I can never keep the barges mic on. I, 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 I covet the, the head size of all the speakers this weekend because it's stayed, it's stayed in place. And I'm like, Lord, surely my head is not that weird, is it? And it was silent. So I'll just, I'll just sit and make myself comfortable. Hey, you know what? It is so good to be here. And you know what? We got guests. No, no, I take that back. Because I was going to say guests. That is so wrong of me. We have family here from other fellowships. See? Yeah, I, I, I saw you getting ready to throw. Yeah. yeah, you know, for those, we had a, an awesome marriage retreat this week. And the Lord did this amazing work. And, you know, there was five Calvary Chapel families. Uh, but what you know what's beautiful is that it doesn't feel like five distinct churches. In fact, you know, and that's one of the things that blesses Heidi and I is we just survey what's going on, seeing fellowship taking place. It's like, yeah, we're reminded this is one church family. And like it or not, I say this, and I'll continue saying this, we're stuck with each other, so we might as well enjoy it, right? right. Well, um, yeah. It's a blessing and an honor to be able to to just uh, share the word with my beloved church family. Pastor John, as always, bro, you know I thank you for this opportunity, and it's an honor, bro. So thank you for entrusting me. And as my pastor has charged me, you know, we're going to continue through the Calvary Distinctives. Uh, and in fact, you know what, like we, we say, and I'll say this again, you know, um, the if, if you call Calvary Chapel your home church, uh, we in, we implore you to get to know the distinctives. We make it available. Uh, we have a book that you can purchase. And if you like the online copy, you can go to our website. Go to the About Us. Uh, hit the drop down and where you see our Calvary Chapel distinctives. There you can print an online copy for free. It's that important for us that you know uh, about Calvary Chapel and why we do the things that we do. Amen. Now, for those who have been following along with us, uh, like I said, Pastor John has charged me uh, to continue with the distinctives. So we are on chapter four. Now, I, of course, we didn't announce it, so I don't expect you to have your book. But uh, I would encourage you in your, in your own time, if you're going through the book, uh, we're going to be talking about chapter four. And remember, the, the study isn't, you know, going, going, uh, isn't just a, a summary of the distinctive. You know, read it, and, and you'll see what Pastor Chuck's vision and how the Holy Spirit used Pastor Chuck and what was happening at that time. But we also want to make it fresh. One of the things that I was encouraged by, dear brother, is that, you know, sometimes in my mind, I was getting a little freaked out going, gosh, I wonder if this is getting repetitive. You know, I'm afraid. How do I, how do I make it sound different? And, you know, how do I add? Because, you know, I've been doing the, the distinctives the past few, you know, the few times I've been able to speak. My brother encouraged me, saying, you know what, sometimes we, we need to hear it. It's, it's biblical. It's okay to, to hear it. And in fact, for those who were here this weekend, we, we, we heard that from, uh, from our pastors who spoke that, you know, th- the information is not new, right? It's not new, but it bears repeating, and it's good for our benefit. So thank you for that encouragement. And so I, I believe that the Lord is going to speak to us in regard to chapter 4. But before I utter another word, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. 
And Lord, even though we are doing a topical, we're, we're talking about the distinctives, Lord, that you've given Calvary Chapel. Lord, it's still your word. It's still all about you. So Lord, let us be still and, and prepare our hearts what you have for us. Let us listen, Lord, because we know, Lord, that these lessons that you've shown Pastor Chuck, Lord, are still relevant, Lord. You're still doing a work in 2024. So, Lord, let me decrease and you increase, Lord. Let me be led by your Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, like I said, Calvary Chapel... Distinctives for you note takers. I'm going to be discussing discussing chapter four, and the title of the chapter is. And my f- screen decides to time out on me. Very nice. Hold on. You know. Ah, there we go. There we go. All right. The 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 distinctive is building the church God's way. That's right, my brother. God's way. And in that chapter, the opening statement, the opening statement made by Pastor Chuck is, another distinctive of Calvary Chapel is our relaxed, casual style. You know, and okay, and as I say that, okay, images of Hawaiian shirts may pop in your head and and, and flip-flops come to mind. You know, this is Calvary Chapel. We don't do starch-collared shirts. We don't do neckties. We don't do slacks from JCPenney or Belk, whichever. We don't do polished dress shoes. This is Calvary Chapel. This is where the barefooted hippies and tie-dyed and holy jeans came and worshipped Jesus. And it's true. It's true, but it's, it's, it's more about than, you know, Hawaiian shirts. And it's more about uh, holy jeans. And, and our, of course, in our modern age, it's more about hoodies and jeans, right? And, and Crocs. By the way, for those who wear Crocs... No, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm kidding. I heard they're comfortable. And so, you know what? I receive that in Jesus' name, okay? All right. <laughs> but look it, look it. It's true. It's true. We're, we're, we're known for our relaxed style. And, and honestly, I don't think Pastor, Ch- Pastor Chuck was saying, you know what? I shall wear this Hawaiian shirt as a symbol of what the Lord is doing inside. No, no, no. I don't, I, I don't think so. I think it, he wasn't deliberate on the casual dress attire. But it's kind of funny. It's kind of interesting that the casual outside dress attire really is an outward of, of expression of what we believe within our church. And that's what I'm going to do. The next, the next few moments we are together, I want to talk about that because, again, the distinctive is building the church God's way. Now, have you ever seen the something being built, like the, the building process? I don't know, but to me, it doesn't look relaxing and it doesn't look casual. You know, y'all know I'm a mailman, and, you, and right now in Edenton, there's this renaissance. There's a lot of home building. A lot of homes are being built from the ground up, and a lot of the older homes are being uh, remodeled and rehabbed, and it's, it's an amazing thing. But I'll tell you one thing. As I observe the construction crews, they don't seem relaxed to me. They don't seem casual. They're not blowing bubbles. They're not giggling. They're not playing tag. They're not horsing around. They're not shooting each other with nail guns, you know. In fact, when I observe them, I see heavy work. I see heavy lifting. I see sweating. There's nothing about the the casual building experience. But yet, here we're talking about building a church God's way. So how can we be casual and relaxed while building something? Let alone a church for that matter. Even if we aren't talking about actually constructing a church building, ask any pastor. 
building a church is hard work. So what does exactly, what does Pastor Chuck mean by that? A relaxed style and compared to building the church God's way. Well, like I said, we're going to take a look at this distinctive and we're going to see what Pastor Chuck is, was talking about. And to understand why our style is relaxed and casual, it's going to come down to three points. And again, I, for those who are going through the book, let me let you know, I'm not going to follow it verbatim, so please don't be thrown off. And for those who are taking notes, these are the three points. It, it all boils down to these three things. Number one, it's his church. Amen? It's his church. Number two, relying on the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. Relying on the Holy Spirit. And number three, teaching his word. I think, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, that was my concern because you know what? We, as you go and study the distinctives, as you become more familiar with Calvary, and for those who are lifelong Calvary Chapel, who call Calvary Chapel at home, we know that's like the, from day one, that's drilled in us. That's the emphasis. That's our distinctives. Hey. But like I was encouraged this weekend, it bears repeating. And the, the same distinctives that held true back in at, during uh, while Pastor Chuck is here is still relevant. And it's a blessing because within our movement, the Lord has chosen to continue the movement. We see a new generation of speakers, a new generation of pastors being raised up. We see new churches. So we know that in the Lord's providence and sovereignty, he has by his grace, allowed Calvary Chapel to continue and to grow and to flourish. And for that, I say, praise his holy name for that. Amen. So, let's talk about the first point. It's his... Did I pray? I'm sorry. Did I, did I pray? Okay, don't worry. All right. All right. You ever have those moments where you're kind of running the, 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 the mental list? Okay, thank you all. All right. It's his church. Bullet point number one. It's his church. Psalms 127a you're probably familiar with this verse, but let me tell you. It says, if the Lord doesn't build the house, they labor in vain who built it. Now, in regards to that verse, I looked at David Guzik's commentary. And, you know, he pointed out that Solomon could have been referring to the actual the, the physical house building. Or meaning the, 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 the human family, the building of the family. Well, well either way. It's very applicable. The Lord must be included at the forefront. Okay, it's the Lord's church. It's his. He must be front and center. It's his hand, his blessing, his involvement, his counsel. He, if we're in, since we were talking about construction earlier, he is head of the project funder, the project manager, the engineer, the architect, the building, the contractor, the trades, the tradespeople. He is head. Okay, let, let that sink in. I know, I know we, we are familiar with that. We've heard that before. But let that sink in. It's his church. His. Not mine. Not yours. And as much as we love Pastor John, and Pastor John will agree, it's not his church, right? Ask any pastor, it's not their church. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. I'm going to refer you to another scripture, Matthew 16, 18. 
for you note takers out there. And again, uh, since we're this is topical in nature, you're going to probably hear me going zooming through scriptures. So uh, if we if if you miss a verse, come see me. I'll be more than happy to share my notes with you and, my, and cite my resources and stuff. Now Matthew sixteen verse eighteen says. Talking to Peter, and I also say to you that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'm going to say it again so that, you know, because I'm about to highlight on a point here. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. All right. So theologians, again, kind of, you know, as I was preparing, going through the scripture and going through different commentaries, I, I see that many theologians agree that, believe that Jesus himself was, you know, referring to himself or gesturing to himself. Um, and, and honestly, I, I, when it all comes down to it, I really like Pastor Chuck's commentary on this. It's in the book. And he just simply says, upon this rock, you will build my church. Absolutely not. No, that's not what he told Peter. Jesus said he would build it. Okay, let me say it again. He would build it. I know it's a simple illustration, but let's remember this, believers. Jesus is the word. John 1.1, 1, 1, we say that, okay? Jesus says what he means, and he means what he says. So when we look at Scripture and we look, at the, the verbiage, I know our human eyes and our brains are, are prone to kind of skip over it. But when Jesus says, referring to himself, I will build a church, well, he means he's going to build it. When Jesus, he's referring to himself, okay? We got that. We're good on that, right? Okay, good, good. And then I want to give you another scripture as we cement this point. Acts 2.47 Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Oh, let me read that. Let me read a different translation going through this verse scripture here. And the church program added to the church daily. Oh, no, no, no. Wrong translation. No, that doesn't say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me read it again. And because of the target marketing and analytics, the church grew daily. Of course not. John, get out of here. You're being silly. Yes, I am. Who, who added to the church? The Lord did. The Lord. Okay, okay. So we see here a couple things already pointed out simply with these scriptures. It's Jesus. It's his job to add to the church. And it's his job to build his church. All right. One more scripture. One more. Because right? so we're a Bible-believing, we teach the Bible. So one more scripture. Ephesians 1.22 says, and again, Ephesians 1.22, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. This is Paul speaking of Jesus, calling him the head. Head, if you look through the, the diverse dictionaries, means authority. So again, simple. It's not rocket science. Jesus is the authority over the church. You know, and reading the, the, that chapter of distinctives, you know, uh, uh, a quote here, Pastor Chuck used to say, we begin every board meeting acknowledging 
that Jesus is the head over his church, that we are, on, we are there only to implement his will and his wishes. All right, all right. I know heavy stuff here. Let's recap. Jesus said he will build the church. Jesus said he will add to his church. Jesus says he will have authority over his church. All right, so now that we got that, what should our response be? Let's get out of the way and let him do his job. We should gladly, let us gladly, gladly submit to his authority. Because when it comes to his church, listen, listen. It's not our burden to build his church. And it's not our burden to add to his church. Listen, that is why here at Calvary Chapel, we are not into the pursuit of new programs. We don't do these campaigns. We don't do spiritual hype, like Pastor Chuck calls it. And for those who are familiar with the Calvary Chapel movement, in regards to this topic, there's a famous saying, right? Within the Calvary movement, whenever you strive to gain, you then must strive to maintain. Think about that. Now, let's, let's, if you will, come on a journey with me. Let's take a little, look at this a little deeper. Okay, okay. So we established who, who's in charge. Jesus. We established he builds his church. He adds to his church. He has authority over his church. Okay, come on a journey with me here. Okay. So if a church is not relying on God who are we relying on? The opposite. Man. All right? When you rely on a man-built program, anything man-centered is going to fail. Now, why do I say that? Man is a nice word. Really, what we should be saying is the flesh. Anything man-centered is based on the flesh. Now, I don't know about you, but throughout Scripture, I don't see any mention, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, that anything about flesh being good. Have you? No. No, exactly. So let's think about this. So a program that's created in the flesh then must be maintained in the flesh. And a program, and they maintain this program by the strength of the flesh well, how strong is flesh? It ain't strong at all. How reliable is flesh? Not, Not exactly. So, so why would you put any emphasis? Why would, you be, why would you want to be involved in a program or rely on a program that's strengthened by something that's going to fail? You know, how's that going to work out? It's not. You know, and here's the thing. Even the most well-intentioned program that is man-centered, relies on the flesh. Newsflash, the flesh is weak, and it's hopeless. Think about this. We're talking about the flesh. Okay, we all agree there's nothing good in the flesh. Scripture will confirm that. The flesh pursues after sin. My fleshly nature wants to sin. How can I rely on a nature that wants to sin against God 
be used for a program that's supposed to be towards God. That makes absolute no sense. The flesh. Here's another thing. We said that the flesh is hopeless. The flesh pursues after sin. The flesh wants to do things that are contrary to the will of God and contrary to the Holy Spirit. Don't take my word for it. Romans 8, 7 tells us that. Also, think about this. Let's, let's just take it another degree. Okay, we know the flesh is hopeless. We know the flesh is weak. We know the flesh goes according to the, contrary to the will of God and contrary to the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. We've got to remember, Galatians 5, 16, the flesh acts impulsively with no regard for God. So, flesh fails because it can only strive so long. Look, even if you take the most well-built and durable engine, I, I like cars, so for you automotive enthusiasts, when I say the Toyota 22R engine, the Ford 300i inline six, huh? for you General Motors fans, I didn't forget about you, the, the 3800 V6, these engines are well-known. Surprisingly, yeah, a GM engine, right? So these engines are known for durability and longevity. But look at even the most well-built engine, if you take out the oil and you take out the coolant, guess what? It will burn out. It will. So let's apply that. In a way, how true with us? If we take the oil and the water, the anointing and the Holy Spirit, we too will burn out. And since we're speaking on the Holy Spirit, let's make our segue to the second bullet point. Here we go. Again, nothing new, but bears repeating. Number two, we rely on the Holy Spirit. Building a church God's way relies for us to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I know you're thinking, hey, wait, wait, John, didn't we cover this last time? You're right. We did. This isn't a rehash of the study, but when it comes to building a church, God's way, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning the sin and righteousness and judgment. This is speaking of the Holy Spirit. A church built God's way must rely, must, 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 must be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Think about the most. Think about the uh, well-known evangelist during our time. You, you know the Edwards brothers, right? Spurgeon, Moody. You know, and for us contemporary, you know Billy Graham. And if you want to go modern, man, great glory. Men, great men, used by the Lord, filled with the Spirit. Yeah, you know what? But if you think for one moment, church family, that it was their persuasive speech. Or it was their articulate messages that got people saved. You're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. Okay? No, 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 don't get me wrong. The Lord gave them, obviously, they're great orators, great speakers, gifted. But that's the thing. They're great because of the Holy Spirit. They were great because the Lord used them. They are great because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Look it. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and He alone. He is the only one that can work in a sinner's heart. Okay? Imagine a church that does not have the Holy Spirit. How can, how, how can you convict of sin? 
How can you convict of righteousness? Oh, well, it's the pastor. No! Wrong! Wrong again! No! You know, and what's dangerous, that there are churches out there that rely on that. No, the, the Spirit is absent, and they're relying on the flesh. And we all agree what flesh, relying on the flesh does, fails. So, we know it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin. The Holy Spirit's job to reveal what righteousness is. And the Holy, Holy Spirit's job to re- reveal who the righteous one is. Imagine the Holy Spirit, t- again, think about that. Ugh, the Holy Spirit taking down, no Holy Spirit. You know what, if without the Holy Spirit, then we are pretty in a pathetic shape. Because our hearts will not be convicted of sin. We will, we will be blinded to understanding God's righteousness. We'll be blinded in, of who Jesus is, the Father. You know. But, okay, but let's take this another degree. So, that's the, the Holy Spirit just doesn't stop with just the bad news. You know, the Holy Spirit has to reveal the good news, too. It's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal who Jesus is. He revealed our problem. He showed us what our problem is. Well, guess what? He also reveals who the solution is. Jesus. The Spirit shows us that we can obtain salvation by repentance, by faith, by new life in Christ. And the Holy Spirit... It's his job to continue the work, bringing transformation, bringing growth, bringing fruit, bringing sanctification. Do you really think we can muster that on our own? Without the, without the help of the Holy Spirit, God help us, we'll be a pathetic, sorry church. That day, if that day ever comes. Acts 1.8 tells us, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is Jesus talking. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We see Jesus here instructing his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit who must empower them to be his witnesses to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8. Look it, look it. So we know what the Holy Spirit does. He shows the, gives us the bad news. We also see the Holy Spirit gives us the good news. But wait, there's more. The Holy Spirit is the one who provides the spiritual gifts, the abilities, the strengths. Think about that. Every single aspect of church should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? With giving glory to God, our fellowships and our fellowships are filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine if the Holy Spirit... If our teachers in the children's ministry were not filled with the Holy Spirit? Imagine if our worship team was not filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine if your pastors were not filled with your Holy Spirit. Imagine if the greeters were not filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you relying on? Flesh. Let that sink in. Be afraid. Be very afraid, because imagine, because the scary, the freaky thing is, there's churches that are operating like that. Scary. 
So, yes, I said this before. It's, in, it's noted in previous distinctions, distinctives. We rely on the Holy Spirit. I will not get old tired of it saying that. We rely on the Holy Spirit. We unashamedly rely on the Holy Spirit. So should you. We all need to. We all need the Holy Spirit. All right. Third bullet point. Teaching the word. We know the word is central. We, we teach the word. That's our, that is our focus. You know. And again, for you Calvary Chapel people who call this their home church and are familiar with Calvary Chapel, I am saying nothing new. Why do we simply teach the word? Well, Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Because God's word is alive, that means it is not static, but it engages with us. God's word, his word, Across all time, across culture, across languages, it's alive. It speaks. God's word speaks to our innermost thoughts. It ministers to our deepest questions, our longings, our needs. It has the power. God's word has the power to bring spiritual renewal, transformation, and salvation. God's word. That's why we don't want to rely on the the you know the the flavor of the spell. This you know oh you got to do this, but we got to stop what we're teaching. This author came out with this eight you know great book on how to build a church, or this author came out with a you know how to you know uh, be, be build a better church, or what we should be doing. No, the word, the word only. And hey, you know what? No, no disrespect. If there's you know there there are godly authors out there who do put out some great. Stuff, great material, but it never, ever, ever takes place to the centrality of the word. And as long as the Lord allows, and as long as we continue to be here at that Calvary Chapel, the word will always be the central. Never going to deviate from that. You know, I, I, I love Pastor Chuck's simplicity. And again, for those who are familiar with the chapter, you're going to see this as he was talking about John 21, uh, 15 through 17, uh, where, you know, I'm going to paraphrase. You can write it down for your notes. John 21, verse 15 through 17, where uh, um, Jesus is you know, recommissioning Peter, you know, asking, asking uh, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know, I do feed my lambs. Jesus asked him again. He says, tend my sheep. And you know, the third time he asked, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So when Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, he didn't say, go out and build my church. No, no. He said, feed them. Actually, he said it twice. Feed them and tend them. Look, a pastor's job is not to... It's just, let me rephrase it. The pastor's job is simply this, to love the sheep, take care of them, watch over them, tend them. But he's going to trust in the Lord to build the church. Okay? 
So there we go. That's why we can be relaxed. <sighs> because we don't have to strive. We don't have to build his church. The Lord is building his church. It's the Lord. Think about this. Think about this. The Lord is doing all the heavy lifting. He's building the church. Like we said earlier, he's adding to the church. All we have to do is simply rest in the work of the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus. Because we've seen throughout the scripture that he said he would do it. We don't have to go, gosh, Lord, I really hope you come through. He's going to do it. Oh, gosh, Lord, I wonder if uh, you're going to, you know, I wonder if your spirit's going to be here. No, you don't have to worry about that. He's got it. He's got it. Let the Lord do his job. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Let him, let the Lord be the Lord and let us be man. Let us be what we're called to do. Now, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that we just, oh, hands off. Okay, you know, we're just going to, you know, just willy-nilly, you know, not. We'll just do whatever. No, 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 brothers and sisters. The Lord has given us work to do. Oh, no, no. We, the Lord's obviously given us gifts and talents by the, given by the Holy Spirit. So we do. We do have, we do have work. We do have work, okay? But I want you to consider Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, listen, listen, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take upon my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burn I give you is light. Brothers, sisters, church family, can we just rest and accept Jesus' invitation? Can we? He said he would. Jesus would love. And I read it with that loving inflection. I hope it came across as that. But that's, that's the love of Jesus saying, Hey, come to me. I'll give you rest. The things that I have you to do, the things that I want you to do, the good works that I prepared for you to do. Look at it. My yoke is easy to bear because you're not going to bear it alone. I'm going to empower you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the tools that you need to accomplish my will. I'm going to be with you when I ask you to accomplish my will. And any emotions, any fears, any anxieties that you have, I'm going to be with you. You don't have to go through this alone. So let's commit ourselves to the simple things. Okay? We pray. We teach God's word. We take care of one another. We love one another. Let's just be faithful to what he's called us to do. Look it. Look, look. When we are faithful, God brings the fruit. You've probably heard this. I've heard this analogy back to my pastor in California. You've never seen a, an orange tree struggling. Oh, i got to bear fruit. 
Ugh, right? You've never seen an apple tree freaking out because they're trying to make fruit. Fruit bear a tree bears fruit because that's what it's designed to do. It's got water, got sun. Guess what? It's gonna bear fruit. How to with us? We have the water and the word. We abide in Christ. We don't have to strive. We just be obedient. We be faithful what he calls us to do. And lo and behold, boom, we got fruit that brings glory to God. So simple. But our convoluted fleshly human brain, sometimes we get in the way. And you know what? Because we get in the way, we fail to enter the rest that he has for us. The Christian life, uh, no, 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 hear me out. Okay, I'm not, I don't want to paint a false picture here. Bible says that we're going to have trials and tribulations. But I'm just going to quote you, Jesus, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay, so no, 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 no I don't want to, you know what? The, the beauty is that we don't have to bear this burden. You know, there's kind of been that, uh, you're hearing that phrase a lot in, in, in outside culture, secular culture, media. You're not alone. You're not alone. And, and you know, um, I wish they wouldn't have hijacked that because I, I want to say you're not alone. And, and because you've heard that so much outside, it's almost cheapened it. So, again, I just want to point you to uh, the scripture we just read. Don't take my word for it. Please don't take the words of Jesus that we saw here in Matthew eleven twenty eight. You know, one of the things about resting in Jesus, it's difficult. Resting in the Lord, it's difficult. Okay? I'll, I'll, I'll look. little confession time. Amongst my brothers this week at prayer, men's prayer. By the way, attend men. Men's prayer. Every week. Six o'clock. It's a blessing. It's a blessing, seriously. Thank you. That's right. Yeah, you'll come this Tuesday and you'll be like, where's everyone? Sean, you lie. Thank you, brother. Check this out. Amongst my brothers, I got to just share honestly. You know, as I was preparing this message, I was having trouble resting in the Lord. I was struggling with resting. You know? Just with, with what's been happening. It's spiritual warfare. We all know what's, that's, what that's all about. So, you know, that's, that's the thing about uh, rest is that when you come to that place where you can surrender and truly know God's love and no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Not because a check's going to fall out of the sky or a car, a new Lexus is going to appear on your driveway. You know, or all of a sudden a million dollars is going to be miraculously wired into your bank. But if it does, praise the Lord, share it with me, please. No, 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 everything's going to be okay because, you know what, the Lord is in control. You know, no matter what happens, no man can grasp me from the hand of loving Heavenly Father. And guess what? No man can grasp you. No person, no thing no peril, no sword, nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
be at peace. Let's rest in him. And one more, one more point before we call it, you know, because we're talking about the church. I want us to kind of stay within the topic of church. Here's the thing. For you servant leaders, for you who have ministries, for you who serve, for you who teach Bible studies, for you who, who uh, are involved in those areas at your church, you've heard this before. I love, I love this, and I will continue to say it because it holds true to this. When we're talking about being at rest and letting God build and we simply be faithful. Listen, the Lord doesn't bless on commission. Uh, two more people came today. You get 20% blessing increase. Oh, three people didn't show up. I'm sorry. I'm withholding the blessing. No, 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 no. The Lord doesn't bless on, 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 on commission. The Lord just wants you to be faithful. He blesses on being faithful. Look, if that one person comes to the study and you're ministering Jesus and you're building each other up, you are bringing glory to God. If you see your ministry start off with 30 couples and then dwindle down to one couple, guess what? You are glorifying God. True story happened in California. Sorry to ask Heidi. I ain't lying. We had 30 couples dwindled down to one. Lord, what happened? Nope, be faithful. Okay. Hard lesson. Hard lesson. I, I can talk about it now, but back then I'm like, dude, what happened? <laughs> right? So, yes, not only do I speak of it, but I've been through that lesson myself. <laughs> Look at brothers and sisters, let's, let's be reminded. Since God's building the church, guess what? The Lord isn't a cookie cutter. The Lord doesn't copy-paste. The fruit here is going to look different than the fruit at Calvary of Sand Hills. The fruit at Calvary of Sand Hills is going to look different at the, than the fruit at Calvary Chapel Williamsburg. The fruit at Calvary Chapel Williamsburg is going to look different than the fruit of Calvary Clayton. My point is, fruit is going to look different. So let's not compare what the Lord is doing here, going, gosh, Lord, I wish you would do that. No. Let's be faithful and let the Lord, that the fruit that the Lord brings, that's our fruit. He gets the glory. So let's not look at other churches. Let's be faithful to what the Lord's called us to do. Okay? Uh, let's not look at size growth. The world, flesh, looks at numbers. We rely on the Spirit. Okay? Simple? Amen? Yeah. Easy, right? The Lord is easy. The Lord's cool. The Lord's good. Stuff, nothing new. It's not rocket science. I didn't, you know. It's, it's stuff that we know already. But as I was encouraged this weekend, it's good to talk about. And, and yeah, for those going through the chapter 4 of Calvary Distinctives, you've probably seen that common line of centrality of Jesus, relying on his Holy Spirit, and being in his word. And you know what? I would not change that. So, as we go through, you know, uh, the rest of this week, be encouraged wherever you are. And if you're struggling with being faithful, hey, let's, you know what? God is gracious. The Lord is gracious. The Lord, you know what? He understands. So, as we end the service, um, if you need prayer, I mean, by all means, please, you know, see the pastors. Uh, Pastor John, uh, Pastor Mike, you know, you, we all know who each other is. You know, and you know, you know, if you don't know, ask someone, someone next to you. Hey, you know, would you pray for me? We're a church family. That's what we do. We love one another. We pray for one another. We're there for one another.
God's given us each other. Like I said, we're stuck for eternity with each other. We might as well, you know, like each other. We might as well. So join me in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that you've given us, Lord. As we looked at this, this distinctive again, Lord, we're reminded that this isn't something that, that, Cal, that Pastor Chuck just conjured up. But Lord, it's your spirit that spoke through him. And it was you, Lord, who gave us your word, your spirit, Lord. And so, Lord, we just rejoice to see your work and what you're doing, Lord. And yes, Lord, even as we're talking about the church, Lord, we can still rest. That same peace that you gave to Pastor Chuck about Calvary Chapel, Lord, we can apply that rest in you, in our lives, in our ministries, in our families. Yes, Lord, help us to to cast our cares. Lord, thank you that you want to carry our heavy burdens. Lord, we thank you that you want to take the yoke upon us. Lord, we thank you that you want to give us rest. Lord, we thank you for your gentleness and your humility, Lord. Lord, we thank you that your yoke is easy to bear, Lord. And we thank you that your love is great. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.